We know we did you guys dirty by not releasing anything last week, so here's a little bonus episode from our previous podcast. Welcome to the Dramatic Illusion Podcast, a podcast that fully endorses Halsey's new album. Welcome to the Dramatic Illusion Podcast. We are your hosts, Lorraine. And I'm Amanda. And we're here with another book report on an oh, off yeah. day. We, we showed up. <laughs> right. We showed up to class again. Look at us. We're doing what? great. Well, we'll see. We'll see how the report goes. <laughs> right. This might have been a report where I went out the night before and showed up to my 8 o'clock class hoping for the best. We don't know. We'll see. <laughs> oh, man. You better not. I'm going to give it a good college effort, though. Give I'll it the old that. college try. Yep. Yeah. All right, cool. So uh, before we get started, uh, what's the most dramatic thing you've done this week? Um, Honestly, uh, just a few minutes ago, freaking out about my notes that I took for this and realizing I, I tried to go the, uh, you know, the route where I'm like, I'm going to wing most of this because I got it. I've got it. Man, don't got it. Don't got it. So <laughs> that's, you know. Uh, <laughs> I do not crawl. have this. I do not have this. Um, I took decent notes, but I should have did a little bit a little bit better. So, yeah. How about well, you? What's the most dramatic thing you did this week? Uh, I went to the BFD, which is a concert here for one of the radio stations, the rock stations, the Eagle down here in Texas. I saw uh, Candlebox, Chevelle, P.O.D., The Offspring. So it was a bitchin' show. I, I had such a great time, even though I'm still nice. burnt. Yeah, it was fantastic. I love P.O.D., so. and Oh, that I dude, love P.O.D., too. That dude came out with the most energy. Like, he had so much energy, and I was like, damn, he still I got it. I love that. The nice. first... You know what? Fun fact, the first album they ever released came out on 9-11. Did it really? I didn't yeah. know that. I know. I was like, you're fucking joking. Nope. Looked it up. It was the real deal. I'm like, oh, man, that's crazy. He had like, it's cool, though, because they played one of their instrumental sets and they, um, he just talked us through like a meditation almost when the sun was setting. It was so fucking cool. I was like, man, this dude knows what's up. Right. Wasn't their first, weren't they like a Christian based band too? Or at least they their are. first album? Yeah. Okay. I thought so. They still are. I thought so. Yeah. They, it's a whole class, it's a whole mixture of things, but they, they put on the best show, I think. Chevelle, nice. Chevelle, uh, Candlebox. Uh, P.O.D. and The Offspring, I think, are all putting out new music. I didn't realize they were all doing that still. Yeah. I Well, I think I heard about The Offspring putting out some new stuff. That's just because my son's really obsessed with The Offspring. Yeah, um, so they all have new stuff out. But, yeah, you were kind of telling me about how Chevelle put on a good show. That's, that's good. I'm glad they're getting better with age because when I saw them live, they were fucking terrible. They have one they're less so- band member, I think, too. Yeah, I saw them at the DC 101 cook-off um, in Washington, D.C., like in 08 or right. 09. I can't remember. Yeah, so it's been a while. But they uh, they, they were they aged, less they than lackluster. They aged very well. That's good. They were less than lackluster. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and you I was suck. really excited. I was really excited to see them. And Mikey, my little brother, and I were both 
really disappointing. Oh, that's <laughs> so. a bummer, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. When I go to see a live band, who else feels us? When you go to see a live band and you love the way that they sound and then all of a sudden they just like suck the life out of the whole show, you're like, God damn it. Right. I mean, luckily there was like Seether and Stained both did fan-fucking-tastic. Oh, yeah. oh, you know, yeah. I mean, there, there was plenty of other bands that, you know, we forgot about Chevelle, but nevertheless, <laughs> it was not but their the, day. They they did pretty good, yeah. I was I was pleasantly surprised, but they all put on, I like that for them. They're they're <laughs> very good entertainers, you know. So uh, their on stage presence was very good. That's good too. That's good too. Yeah. So uh, your book report, I picked I picked it out for you. So let's uh, let's let's get into it. All right, so she picked out for me The Shawshank Redemption, um, which I've never read the book. Uh, seen the movie about four times, but never read the book. Have you read the book? Uh, no, I have not. And the only reason I never have is because um, I was never really aware that there was a book. And um, my dad and I talked about Shawshank Redemption. We watched the movie all the time. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, you know, it's based on a Stephen King novel. I'm like, well, I never heard of no Shawshank Redemption Stephen King novel. And he said, yeah, it's called, it's a novella. It's called Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption. It's exactly the what the book yeah. is called. I didn't yeah. know that until I did the research on it. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, it's called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank. Gotcha. Cool. Yep. Yeah, like you said, Stephen King. Uh, I have a... A hit or miss relationship with Stephen King. Some of his shit is fantastic, and others I just can't get down with. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I I appreciate it. I appreciate the art of it. Right. Um, Still relevant. Right. He's another one that, you know, puts out material that it's like, it's so fucked up in the way that it probably is happening somewhere and being pushed out into the rug. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the setting for the book was in 1947, um, Maine, Portland, Maine, yep. um, which I think all of his are in Maine, aren't they? All of um, his. That's, that's like his little universe thing, I believe I he tries to. I don't know if he keeps it like within New England. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he does. I, I read that recently after I was like looking into more of his stuff when Castle Rock came out the first oh, time yeah, yeah. two years ago. Which, oh, God, that is fantastic. Both <laughs> seasons, like, those were great. But I really had to look back into, like, some of his older work to find out where all the little Easter eggs and stuff come from. Mm-hmm. But um, the narrator uh, is Red. Um, yeah. And the protagonist is Andy Dufresne. So at the beginning of the, the movie, he... Uh, is 33 years old when he goes into Shawshank. And then at the end of the movie, when he escapes, he's 58. So he's got some life in there. Long Long ass time. time. So uh, Red and Andy are the two main characters of the movie. I'm going to say movie because I I mean, I should say novel, but I haven't fucking read the novel. So I'm just going to relate it to the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Good plan. Okay. So the significance of the title. the Shawshank Redemption, is referred to Andy's full-on escape as a shout-out to kind of um, the reason why he escapes or how he gets his freedom. You know, he's getting redemption for the stuff he goes through uh, while he's there and redemption for the quote-unquote crime that put him there. 
Right. Um, I say quote unquote because you find out later in the movie that he was wrongly accused for killing his wife and his wife's lover. Um, yeah. yeah. He fucks up. He fucks up right from the start. He goes into court thinking he's bomb and doesn't need a lawyer because he's like, oh, well, I'm innocent. You dumb fuck. That's rule number one. <laughs> you never go in there without right. a lawyer. Lawyer up, mm-hmm. dude. Right. You never, never fucking go in there without a lawyer. Which is terrible because he was so drunk at the beginning of the movie, he spilled all of his shell casings and everything all over the place. He was at the house. So they matched everything up to what he had. It's all registered to you. Like, don't make those mistakes. Right. Oh, my God. I mean... It was just so fucking heartbreaking. And then you're like, then he gets two life sentences. It's like, oh my God. It's like, why didn't you just get a fucking lawyer? Yeah. It was just, oh, it pissed me off so bad. But anyways, he gets in there and of course everybody is talking shit about all the new guys. And they're like, oh, well, I got him. He's going to be the first one to crack, you know. And it, But from day one, Red had like a significant, I don't know, kind of click tie. Uh, he was just drawn to him. And he didn't really know why until later on you find out, you know, they flourish into a very, very close friendship, understanding with each other, you know, a huge relationship between the two. Non-sexual relationship, like a friend relationship. Um, Yeah, exactly. And when when he gets off the bus and they're all walking around, they're placing their bets, they're betting smokes. And Red basically says, the tall drink of water with the silver spoon up his ass. And he's talking yeah. <laughs> about he's talking about his his quote unquote new best friend, you know. Um. Well, he doesn't crack. Um. Doesn't even make a peep. It actually. Show right. It was the one guy, the the big tubby guy that was. I don't know. And it's fat ass by a nose. <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you remember all the quotes because I'm do. hoping by I my. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, thank you for coming in clutch. All the clutchness. Right. Um, But anyways, um, one of the big things, like, in the movie is just the relationships that he builds with the other people. How he goes in there and builds trust relationships with the different inmates and kind of sees people that were just almost, like, throwaway people. And he's... At least my taking is that he creates relationships with them and gets to know them on a different level. And they they don't see him eye to eye at the beginning either. He goes through, you know, a lot of stuff with them trying to, you know, uh, rape him and like different groups of them. There was no protection in the beginning. So he kind of had to earn his protection from, you know, Red and his friends and yeah. kind of create, create his own crew. Um, he and, does get raped in prison. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ter- the first terrible. couple of times he fought it off, but after that, no. He wasn't yeah, it's like to, five against one, you know? How how often can you keep fighting these guys off? And that was at the, the beginning of when he was just starting to get, you know, a relationship with Red or, or whatever. It first started when he went and asked him because Red was known as the man who could find things or something like that, right? He, the uh, yep, the, the man, man who, who could find things, the man the, who the, can find things. Yeah, so he goes and asks him for, um, like a a rock shaping tool or 
a little a like rock a hammer, bowl. rock hammer, like a pickaxe thing, like a real tiny one. Um, because he wanted to pick up his his old hobby of shaping rocks and all this stuff. I yeah. Guess. So, um, which he was very good at. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Very, very good at, in fact. Right. <laughs> come, come to find out. Shaping um, and polishing rocks. <laughs> I mean, you know, good, good for him. But then they get that job um, after he... Was he in... I can't remember if he was in the hospital from the rape. The really bad one happened before they went on the roof, right? Or was it not quite? Yes. Yes, he got basically. He never got raped, but he got but he beat, beat to a bloody pulp. Right, and he was in the infirmary. And when he came out, he said uh, there was some. There was a package for him on the bed. Right. So the the night that he got into the big fight or got his ass beat, they were watching a Rita Hayworth movie, and he had asked Red, "Hey, you know, you can locate things for me. I want Rita Hayworth." And you don't really see the significance in that until after he brings the package that's on the bed, which is a huge gigantic post of Rita Hayworth. Um, yes. So he hangs that up on the wall, and you really don't even understand why that's there until the very, very end. But come to find out, it's uh, blocking the work that he, the, the lovely rock shaping that he's doing behind it. Um, <laughs> the huge his man-sized hole. Right, right. <laughs> Um, so he gains the trust of the men. They go through a whole bunch of different things. He ends up working for the warden in his office and doing his numbers, basically cooking the fuck out of his books so he can hide money. So the warden looks great on paper. Um, so once he gains the trust there, that's when he starts, um, helping out the prisoners and working with, uh, I can't remember his name, the old guy. (laughs) Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, uh, geez, the librarian. I can't, remember, I can't remember his name either right now. But, uh, yeah, he helps him in the library. Right, yeah, get the prisoner new books, and they said, well, you can't do it. They've been writing uh, writing to ask the governor or whoever for money, and he says no, and Andy wrote him a letter a week for six years, was it, before they started finally? I think it was, I remember six. I think it was six years. And they started sending money and books and all this stuff. So he ended up building this gigantic library. It was actually one of the biggest um, historical prison libraries ever. Yeah. Um, Brooks so is his a, name. Brooks, yeah, Brooks. Yeah, I had to look um, it up. It bothered me. <laughs> I know. I'm like, what did he write on the damn wall? Because the whole Brooks, Brooks was, was here. here. Yes. Right. Oh, sad. Oh, my God. So sad. Right. So it goes in. I mean, Brooks was another... Um, side story that was going on in the in the movie it was about he was in um prison 90 percent of his life and then you know being totally put into that life and then having then he got released and having to go out into the real world and it kind of displays how hard it could be when you're put in that type of situation you know how you don't know anything else and how you, you know they touch on how he was a big important guy on the inside and then he was basically everybody's trash on the outside and nobody understood him. He didn't have friends, you know, just that whole like seclusion and loneliness and how that can really mess somebody up after. Right. You're institutionalized. Institutionalized. Yeah. That was the word I was trying to figure out. (laughs) Yeah. 
And it's crazy because when he starts, when Brooks starts writing the letters to the guys in prison, he's just saying how life moves so fast out here now. You know, when he was younger, he might have saw a car one time and now they're all over the place. And it's just like a world he's never even been into ever. Wasn't he in there 50 years or something like that? 50 years he was in prison. Mm -hmm. Literally his whole life. Could you imagine? No, I can't. Going into prison, there's no vehicles on the road, and all of a sudden it's just full of vehicles, and it's so, you know, he's paroled in 54. So in 54, there was tons of vehicles out on the road. Traffic lights, all that. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely insane. Um, So then... um, after that, then there uh, is a young guy named Tommy that comes in. Um, just I love kind of Tommy. A, he just comes across as like, you know, a jackass. He's kind of a a thief that just keeps getting. I don't know. He's just kind of like a dumbass kid, basically. He you know, sure like is. oh yeah, I did this and I got caught, and I did this and I got caught, but I'm back here, and, and you know, just like a stupid a stupid criminal, basically. But you're like. You're reaching out for him. You're like, come on, dude. Just grow the fuck up. It'll be fine. You know, get your life together. <laughs> right. And I, and I think that's kind of what Andy was doing for him was trying to get him to grow up and take some time out for himself. And they, he was helping him get his GED. But he, you know, struggled with that. Tommy did. And he just felt like he'd always been called a dumbass. And he felt like he was just a dumbass. Um, yeah. So he got really frustrated, threw his test answers out. Freaked was like, you out. know what? Yeah. Just really... Didn't think he was going to pass or anything. So Andy dug him out of the trash. He got a C. I mean, he got his GED, right? I think it was a C. He did get his GED. The kid passed. Right. But, you know, Andy really, really connected with him and was like really wanted to save him and help him. Um, Exactly. Also, you find out from this guy that he was incarcerated somewhere else that his um, cellmate was actually the guy that committed this murder that Andy's doing time for. And he's sitting there and he's... Yeah, Go do ahead. you remember his name? Fuck no. Of course not. El- Why would I write... Elmo. Elmo. Why, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Why I thought I could remember that off the cuff, I don't know. Yeah, but... <laughs> Elmo. <laughs> right. Um, but that's a pretty significant thing. And so he just wanted to... He told Andy about it, and Andy was like, oh, shit, you know, maybe I should tell the warden, because he. this is, like, a true witness, somebody that can go in and testify in court for me. Like, this could get me a new trial. You know, there was some sort yeah. of hope there. He starts yelling yeah. at the warden, even. He's like, "Right, this you, is you my see a life. whole new side. Don't you care? Right. right. And, you know, after working for him for so many years and being in his office, it was kind of like, why the fuck don't you care about me? Like, I thought... You know, we built this solid bond here. I've been helping you. Can't you, you know? And that's not the case. That's not how I went. Um, the warden's a fucking asshole. And <laughs> pretty much, I mean, ugh, that part pissed me off so bad. Lured uh, Tommy out there after. It's like, you know, we were fighting for your kid. Then he ends up getting killed by the warden because the warden finds out that that is going to get Andy out. It's truthful. Um, and it's going to cause a lot of problems for the warden because he's been cooking the warden's books for, you know, I mean, he knows all the ins and outs of all the money standing. Yep. That, you know, the, the, all the crooked shit that's been going on in that prison. 
Exactly. Exactly. That's his pet. He doesn't want to let right. his pet go. Right. Um, and so I would say that would be, well, I guess, I guess that the death of Tommy was kind of the climax is what I kind of think. Um, because then that's what kicks off where red or red, where Andy's like, (laughs) fuck that. I'm escaping. This is it. You've just pushed me over the edge, you know? Um, and so that's when it leads him to ask, for a rope he asks the one blonde dude I don't remember his name either but it's one of the guys in his crew and <laughs> the guy didn't think anything of it he was like oh yeah no big deal I'll you know I'll get him a rope and then it kind of clicks with red and he's like oh shit you know Tommy just died this could be this could be bad you know and they're the first thing they're thinking is like he's gonna hang himself um yes exactly he's been really down in the dumps now that he knows that there's somebody out there that actually did this crime and no one right. believes him yep Right. Yeah. I, God, I can't even imagine that either. No. Um, so anyways, he does escape. Um, and then it goes into a lot of, it, it touches points on all the really cool shit that he did that you don't realize that led him up to this. So this wasn't a, you know, I just decided to do this and it worked out. Oh no. The meticulous planning that this guy did. It, it was it I don't even want to tell you at all because it is so bizarre and crazy and you just sit there like what holy shit like and it all just comes to a head it's nuts right it oh my god but um so with some of the major themes friendship obviously um lies and deceit um perseverance lots of hopes and plans um sin for sure uh I think those are probably um, the main points. Symbolism-wise, Rita Hayworth, definitely. Um, I think it symbolized, like, that was him connecting to the outside world, which came, like, it it was like his hope. Something that he saw every day, like, hoping to get out. But it wasn't necessarily her, quote-unquote. It was the wall behind her that he was busting through. Yeah. Like, his escape. Like, his, I don't know. That was the way I saw it anyways. Kind of like stepping through the photograph to get to the other side. I could see that, yeah. Um, So the rocks, I think, were a big symbolism too um, because they showed like the spirit of hope. Um, Him him, like shaping different rocks and forming them into something new was kind of like it showed sense of accomplishment but it also showed like that he had control over doing something in his own life when he was in prison and had no control over anything yeah um a hobby you know yeah um it was cool because he he knew that getting into the warden's good graces was his way out because he was always two steps ahead of him. One, he knew how to cook the books because he was a banker. That was his job. Right. That's what he right. did for a living. And he told he told Red, what's funny is this is after the fact that they all found out, you mean he's for real innocent? This is after the fact. He told Red in the library, it's funny, I was as straight as an arrow. But I had to come in here to become a crook. Yeah, so I remember was, that part. 
he was completely doing a 180, not only to benefit everybody in the prison and make it a better place to stay for everyone, because who wants to stay in this dump with nothing to do? But right. he, f- he formed groups. He formed, you know, one of the biggest cliques he was a part of that got to do everything, like tarring the roof and things like that. Not only that, but doing the taxes for all of the inmates or the um the police officers and all of the guards and everything it was just it became a full on business and the warden could not see himself doing this without him anymore but the flip side was the warden couldn't do this without him so him oh absolutely es- not him escaping was just his the warden's nail final nail in the coffin because he knew he had messed up really bad by letting a prisoner basically run the show. He did everything. Yeah, he for sure did. It was absolutely nuts. It was absolutely nuts. I think the shoes are a big symbolism too. What do you mean? At the end of the movie. Right, when he puts on, yeah, so I, I get I, it, um, kind of, but said, I want to know your, your he said, thought about it. how often do you really look at a man's shoes? So Oh, yeah. Andy's polishing up the warden's shoes the night before his escape, and you can see it from two different angles because they obviously show it in two different ways. But when the warden throws the shoes at him and said, I want them shining like mirrors, he's like, okay. You'll get them shining like mirrors, but they won't be looking at you. They'll be looking at me. So he's giving them the one for like, this is it. These shoes, I'm polishing them real, real nice because they're my shoes now. Because after this, he made everything available to Andy to basically plan his own escape. Yeah, it took 30 years, but... It was so well thought out that the shoes, to me, symbolize the beginning for the new Andy. Okay, I see that. His name was, I don't even know what he called himself. It was the name he made up to cook his books. Randall Stevens. Yeah, Randall Stevens. Yeah, so I, I thought that was really awesome, too. Yeah, for I, that the whole escape thing, it was just like holy shit, you know. Uh, <laughs> the I mean, he just he literally thought of everything, the rope, and yeah. then the um, always talking about rocks and stuff and bringing them out and dumping them all over the yard and uh, yes. the making a a completely separate. Or when he when the warden came and searched all through his thing, he knew damn well he wasn't going to look through that Bible, so he memorized all those Bible verses, and uh, you know, that's where he hit his pickaxe thing, um, was inside yeah. the Bible. Because he knew that was the one thing that the warden wasn't going to take out of his fucking cell, because they make it very um, aware throughout the whole movie that, that he was, you know, God-fearing man, everything was, you know, he had that cross stitch thing in his office that had a bible verse on it which you come find out that's where his safe is but i mean there was a lot of connections to that too there is salvation does lie within you were right (laughs) 
Yep. He yep, writes for it in sure. the Bible and he sees the big cutout with the axe in there. It's like, yep. And then they find the axe and it's a little nub. It's just so good. The whole oh, thing yeah. is so good. Yeah, so fantastic. Absolutely enjoyable. I thought, you know. So what, overall, what did you think? I mean, obviously. Oh, I mean, I, I've always loved that movie. Um, I didn't, watching it, like, recently, um, I, I think I picked up on more things. When I looked, I watched it a little more intensely than I have before. Mm-hmm. So, like, the little symbolism, like, with the... Rita Hayworth and making that be like, oh, the wall to the outside world type thing. And I don't know. I completely forgot all the little details before I watched it this last time. So it was kind of like reliving the whole thing again, which which, is, which was exciting, too. Right. Um, and, it, you know, what's really cool is like they go through the times. So like the when he first got the poster... It was Rita Hayworth because she was popular at the time. Then it was, I think Marilyn Monroe was one of them. And then um, Raquel. She Raquel, was, she yeah. Was actually, she was actually the last one. And it's like if he never uh, made the steps to get in the warden's good graces, he would have never been able to do what he did. No. Nope. Because the warden said, oh, I guess I could let that slide, you know, because it's technically... Yep. Paraphernalia. Yeah, right. So good on him. Playing the long con. That's hard. Yeah. That's exactly (laughs) what he did. The longest con. (laughs) The longest con of ever. But I think another another thing that I really appreciated this time around was um, how complex that it it describes, like, the building of a friendship with someone. Yes. Um, The ins and outs and the, the doubts and all the work you have to do two separate people to like build trust with each other and build, I don't know, because they had a fantastic friendship, fantastic relationship together. And, you know, as an adult doing that, I mean, it takes work. It's not, it's not just, Oh, Hey, we're going to be friends. Okay, cool. And then it works out. That's not how it fucking goes. And I think I didn't really notice that when I watched this when I was younger versus now. And I, I truly appreciate it. Yeah. There's, um, actually, which is, very very interesting the the film itself has been interpreted as being uh grounded in christian um mysticism so saying that like there's a lot of things in this it's like the the warden was he portrayed himself to be god saying that he's the light of the world like there's a lot of um you know biblical quotes and things like that and um, the what else? What else is it? The the scene where Andy and some of his inmates tar the prison roof and they're sitting there as a recreation of the Last Supper type of thing. Andy obtaining the beer for all twelve inmates slash disciples. Like it's a whole thing. Really? And, huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's really crazy. Like for instance, when. Uh, Andy plays the the record player. It, mm-hmm. The song is called "The Marriage of Figaro," and it's it's described in the screenplay um, as akin to finding the Holy Grail, bringing the prisoners to a halt, 
and just having them all listen to this through the loudspeakers and stuff. So it's kind of like, is it? I can see where they're going with this, and it's really interesting to have that take on it because me, I didn't, obviously, I didn't get, I didn't get that. Yeah, (laughs) I I didn't look at it that way either. But here, I mean, even, even towards the end, Zewatanejo is the beach that they end up meeting at at the end. Right. And it, it's been interpreted as an analog for heaven or paradise. Like, this is where you're going to go after all of your, you know, hard work and suffering. This is where you're going to be rewarded. And they just, like, they make it as, like, okay, they're at their final destination now. So it's kind of like I can understand both sides of the coin, like the freedom aspect and just being being present with the person that you call your best friend versus like taking it to a spiritual level even. Okay. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. I I totally forgot about when he played the record player and that kind of went into his whole. It was wild. It was kind of a twist there because that's when he started talking about hope. And then that's where red was like, you know, you just got to get off that hope. That hope is what's going to get you in trouble, blah, blah, blah. And then he's mm-hmm. like, no, exact opposite. The hope is the one thing that they can't fucking take away from you. And I remember that, and that was a pretty big part of it, too. Yeah, it's in here, you know? Because when he came yeah. out of the hole, that's what he said. Oh, they let you tote that record player in there with you, huh? Because he was talking about the music. He's like, mm-hmm. no, it was in my head and in my heart. What, you don't have that playing in your head and heart? And they just all, the guys all looked at him like he was nuts. It's like hope is something they can't ever take away from you. And they kind of, I think that was a turning point in the relationship between him and the guys. Oh, for sure. And then when they got the the record player in the, in the uh, library and guys would just listen to Hank Williams. Hank (laughs) Williams. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. So yeah, and that is that's the book report, right? That that is my you know C minus book report. <laughs> I lo- I liked it. It it gave me enough room to talk about the movie because I've seen it a million times, and then you got the gist of what it was. Obviously, there's a lot more to the movie than what we talked about, but still, yeah, good. definitely, it was definitely fun to revisit that one though because that's always a classic. Yeah, it sure, always is. a classic. Man, 1994. That was a good year. Yes, it was. (laughs) 94, man. I was, well, I was still in elementary school. I was in fourth grade, so it was a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah, man. Uh, So, obviously, you know, we're coming at you um, two in one week, which is uh, abnormal for us, but. Right. Bet you guys didn't uh, expect that, huh? Yeah, we decided, you know what? Our fans are pretty great. We're going to treat them. So that's what we did. Book reports back to back. Movie book reports, I should say. Right, and should we give them a little uh, insight on what might be coming next Tuesday? Because I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, uh, Yeah, dude, I think we should. Yeah, Um, so we're going to stick with the school theme, but it is spooky season. So I think it's time for some true crime, for sure. Yes. Absolutely Let's, true crime. The truest of crimes. Oh, yeah. And I i mean, I don't know what you're going to pull on, but I, for one, have a real doozy. 
Yeah, I um, I do too. It's mine is still ongoing, I believe. If I'm yeah, not my, mistaken. Yeah, and our true crime both has to do with schools or students or that. Both. Yeah, both. <laughs> right. So we're just going to keep the theme on rolling. We're going to keep it yep. rolling. Uh, and uh, we're just going to, you know, throw out some business real quick. Facebook, just like we said, facebook.com slash Dramatic Illusion Podcast. Instagram.com slash The Dramatic Illusion Podcast. And our Facebook group, Tuesday Speakeasy. If you don't know what that is, uh, go on Facebook, go up to the search bar, type in Tuesday Speakeasy, then say um, add or join <laughs> or add, answer join. the question and come on in. You know, we just talk shit, really. <laughs> it's it's fun. just a big group that's a lot of fun, for sure. Yeah, I like it a lot. We ask a lot of questions. But, you know, we love the participation. It's pretty It's pretty interesting, to say the yeah. least. <laughs> um, also, we did touch on this before. We're not doing the Patreon anymore. We're doing Buy Me a Coffee instead. One, I love coffee, so I'm not opposed to this. I know you're a tea drinker, but, you know, we could buy you a tea. How about that? Uh, hey, I'll do, I'll do coffee every once in a while. I like coffee, yeah, too. Get, get her a chai People, tea. Right. <laughs> she love her a chai tea. Yeah, definitely. Or buy us a beer, one of the two. I mean, we're cool with that, too. Yeah, I dig a beer. I like beers. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give me a seltzer, though. I'm not doing no damn seltzer. Ugh. I'll take no, a thanks. seltzer. It's all right. <laughs> Kaka. She could have the seltzer. And last but certainly not least, Apple Podcasts. We have to throw it out there. Go on the podcast app if you have an iPhone or some sort of Apple device and give us a five-star review, you know? We deserve that, I think, maybe. Yes. I yes. think so. Maybe maybe not my book report, but, I mean, I think we deserve <laughs> five stars. Um, yeah, man. You know, leave us, leave us a comment, something good, something bad. Ask us a question. Throw something random out there. We'll, we'll address it next time we see it. Tell um, us what school your alma mater is. Right. Yeah. I'd like to see. I like I like to see where all of our listeners come from. It's nice it's nice to have a nice variety. Yeah, absolutely. We love a good roll call. We do. And with that being said, don't forget to be original. Stay dramatic. And as always, we'll, we'll see, see you, you next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. If you stuck around till the end and you listened to the whole book report, I really appreciate it. I love that movie and Amanda was a good sport and let me do a book report, so to speak, on it. We are super excited to get the ball rolling for a spooky season and keep on the lookout for different merch coming up. Our birthday's in October. We're just celebrating and just having a good time doing it. Thank you for being patient with us and we will see you next Tuesday.